0: you're listening to episode 135 of the mad chatters podcast april
1: 26
2: 2017. most everyone's mad here
0: Welcome to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name's Derek. Joining me today are my fellow co-hosts, Matthew. Hey there. Jeremy. Yo, yo, yo. And today we're joined by a very special co-host. You might know him from his other podcast, Disney Coast to Coast. Or if you're a fan of this show, you might know him as a two, now three-time guest of the Mad Chatters. If you've ever heard us talk about Rick Moranis, we are probably talking to this guy. It's Jeff DePauly. Honey, I shrunk the kids! Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Is this my third
1: time? I think so. Yep. We had the oh game my- episode where you
2: you were here with us. Oh, that's right. The game uh-huh. one as well. Oh, my goodness. You're practically family. Jeez, this is fantastic.
0: (laughs) Now, Jeff, I want to talk about Disney Coast to Coast for just a second, because when I first listened, it was you and Patrick Dougal, and you guys weekly talked about all the fun things going on in the Disney stratosphere. Uh, But this season, you've added two more co-hosts, and you do sort of like a rotation with them. I got to say, I'm really loving it. It always feels fresh and fun. How do you feel about it?
2: Oh, good. I'm glad that you love it. It's definitely a scary change to make. Um, how do I feel about it? I'm loving it, and there are several reasons why I did it. But really, it was scheduling became a nightmare and then also I wanted to do different types of segments and and so I and I had several people who wanted to be part of the show so it was kind of like let's let's make this happen have different people for the different types of segments and uh the response has, has gone really well as as expected when it first happened it's you know people hate change and I was like just give give it a shot and um I would say you know all I've heard is good things at this point. People are really liking it, so and it's it's working out. It's, it's making my life more sane, schedule wise, and and such. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, people do hate change. We're gonna get so many emails about that fourth
0: co-host on this week's show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Like, bring back Marshall. That's <laughs> oh, <although> that was <laughs> that, that was three uh, that week, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. ruining. I'm bringing. I'm ruining everything right now. It's all right.
0: We're glad you're here anyway. Well, let's kick off the show with one of the reasons we brought you on the show, other than the fact that we just enjoy, you know, your presence. Um, But you did reach out to us and let us know that when we were idiots back on the show, you didn't say it like this, but back on our episode about Disney's connections with Polynesia, we admittedly were a little uneducated when talking about Alani. And lo and behold, our friend Jeff Depali has been to Alani. So I wanted well we wanted to bring you on and get the scoop from you um what what this place is like. So why don't you just like start by telling us when you went, how long you stayed, all the details.
2: Yeah, I uh, I actually forgot. That's why you're having me on the show this week. <laughs> I, <forgot. laughs> I totally forgot that. That's what initiated the the this guest spot. But um yes, I did go to Alani. I want to say it was Summer of 2014, it was, when did it open? Was it 2013 or 14, something like that? 11. 2011?
0: Yeah, cause it celebrated five years last fall.
2: Oh, five, oh my goodness. Holy moly. I then I don't know when I went, maybe it was 2012. I feel like it was not too long after it opened, but I have to tell you, Awalani is literally one of my favorite places on earth. Wow. Like. Yeah, I am not a relaxer at all. I'm like a nonstop uh, person, and and I don't really like relaxing for extended periods of time. But there is something about Awalani that is just so zen. It's, in my opinion, it's it's Joe Rodi's masterpiece. Uh, far more so than Animal Kingdom, in my opinion.
0: <gasps> you take that back.
2: I know. I'm sorry i'm sorry i said it i said it out loud um but no i it's really 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 relaxing and the they had a great slogan and i'm gonna butcher this slightly but they said uh, something like it's a paradise with just a touch of disney magic and that's kind of the most perfect explanation for it um so it's a really cool getaway for adults but there's you know little bits of, of Disney here and there, but it's not like over-the-top, in-your-face Disney. Um, and I, I really, it's stunningly beautiful. The one thing I would say that the marketing lies about is the fact that they do a very, very good job making it look like it's a secluded area, like in its own little land. No, you're surrounded by three other resorts as well. And I will say, I, I went to all of those resorts to visit them. And, like, none of them compare to uh, Awalani. Like, Awalani, by far, is the most beautiful, most relaxing one. And it's great. I mean, I know it's a pricey vacation, but if you're looking for a relaxing vacation, it's the place to go.
1: When
0: you say pricey, would you be able to compare it to any of the Walt Disney World resorts?
2: Here's the thing: I didn't pay; it was through Disney Vacation Club, so I don't know. I just know that it's it's more expensive than Walt Disney World, from from what I understand. Um, It's I stayed for a week, um, and you know DVC points translate to dollars in weird ways, but it's it's like thousands, I believe, for the week, and um, you know. Plus, we had like a, a big family suite, so we were like in a massive. Room like so, I I have, I have no info as far as price is concerned, um, but it's not cheap. But if you're a Disney Vacation Club member, I'd say save those points and go for it.
0: Nice. And of course, you have to get yourself down there though as well.
2: Well, I'm lucky. I'm in Los Angeles, so it's a six-hour flight for me. My family was coming from Boston, so they had to deal with basically a twelve-hour flight, Um and the time change for them is like six hours. For me, it's only three hours. But it's oh, it's stunning. It's so lovely, and yeah.
0: You said it's not in-your-face Disney. What what Disney things are there for people who do want a touch of Disney?
2: Sure. So they have um, the characters are there. So uh, Lilo and Stitch you'll see around. You'll see Mickey and Minnie in them in their Hawaiian garb. I believe Moana is probably a staple there at this point. Um, what else is there? They. You know, you'll see hidden Mickeys in a lot of the design. Um, They do have kids' play areas that um, I think they call it like Auntie's Playhouse or something like that, where the kids can go draw Disney characters. They'll show Disney movies out on the lawn, just like a lot of the Disney hotels do. And um, so there's a lot of activities. I I took some free ukulele lessons while I was there, which Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. Uh, They they do have a, um, like at Epcot, the... Is it still Kim Possible, that little game that they... No, what is it now? AG- or is it gone? EGP, terrible World Showcase, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that show. They, they have something like that at Awalani where you go around the resort, and they have uh, interactive elements to go along with the game. Uh, so that was fun to do. And then they have free tours for, like, to teach you about the architecture and the history of it. And, you know, it's, it's really fantastic because um there's so much hawaiian history in this in this uh resort and yeah, i mean you everybody listening to this probably knows joe roadie and he's very much into research and history and even the the name of the resort Awalani, it was named by the hawaiian people and i'm forgetting what it means but like disney did not name this place Aulani, and a lot of the music you hear is very um, traditional Hawaiian music, and even that song—you know the song that you hear on the commercials—that I would attempt to sing, but I know I'll get it wrong. Do, do you know? Do you know, like the whole the Aulani theme song. No. There's this beautiful song that is like the theme of Aulani, and when you go into the lobby, it's like practically on a loop, and it's so gorgeous and they used it in a a lot of the marketing in the beginning um i really 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 loved it to the point that like i searched high and low while i was there for a cd with this song on it and i couldn't find it couldn't find it couldn't find it finally asked a cast member like oh we're not allowed to sell that because it was given to the resort as a gift from this hawaiian musician so we can't sell it since it was a gift i was like oh bummer uh, get home from the resort. What's in my email box? A little gift from Awalani, and it's an MP3 download of that song. I
0: was like, wow. wow.
2: I was like, that's awesome.
0: That guy got fired. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, I think they send it to everybody. It wasn't just for me. Oh, okay. So, uh, but it was, you know, great. Uh, Oh, Joe Rody loves the hidden animal thing, like in the Tree of Life. Those are all over the rock work of oh. of Awolani as well. You'll see tons of fish and stuff hidden in the artwork. And um, I will say the their wallpaper choice is really strange for like a lot of the hallways. Um, it looks like a, a group of men showering together. It's very strange. Um, it's yeah. like the birdcage.
1: It's Hawaiian custom. Yeah. <laughs> I, let me see <laughs> if birdcage. I can find it. Let me actually can see. We tell them can we tone this down? These I think they're are wrestling. They're,
3: they're playing, playing leapfrog. leapfrog.
2: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Let me see if. I, oh God, I, I put posted a picture <laughs> of it on Instagram a very long time ago. More soon. We've gone off on a weird direction here, huh?
3: Oh, I know it's a good episode when we start quoting the birdcage. Um, yeah. I did have a question while you're looking that up. So I'm in Hawaii for my vacation, and yes, I love all things Disney. But let's say I want to...
2: Go visit it even if you're not staying there.
3: Okay, but I'm saying, let's just assume I'm there. What I'm saying is how easy is it to go and uh, explore the rest of the island?
2: We had a rental car. Um, I don't know what the Uber Lyft situation is like on Hawaii, but I would assume it's pretty good. It's it's the big island, isn't it, with a lot of tourism. So um, yeah, we had a rental car. It's about a half hour from everything. So it's kind of it's kind of on the other side of the island where um, the where it's kind of like its own little oasis, which is nice. But, you know, the island's pretty small, so it's only about 30 minutes, I'd say, which living in L.A. feels like nothing like 30 minutes is pretty typical for me. (laughs) Is, uh, Is there a nude beach? Uh, not that I know of, um, but I should have researched, I was there with my family, It's vendor, not advertised. So. Okay, <laughs> tell me that this isn't, I mean, this looks like men bathing in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know, that's a stretch. No?
2: I, I do, really do, think. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not their intention, but, um, but in any case, that's, uh, that's what I saw immediately and shared with my family. Yep. Um... Um, did you? Were you able to uh,
1: dine at any of the eateries? Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: wouldn't be the Mad Chatters without. This well, question. I know, but I, I'm curious. I, I, I like. I personally enjoy this part of any Disney vacation, so
2: I, I'm okay. curious
1: as to whether or not you got to eat at the
2: restaurants. You're, you're going to hate my answer. Um, the answer is yes, and I couldn't tell you anything about any of them because oh, wow. I mean they were all fine. I'm just they're all fine they're fine food is not memorable for me um in most cases um so yeah i, I never remember eating anything and being like oh that was terrible so like atmosphere I oh mean, it's all beautiful because it's all uh, a lot of it's a lot of it's outdoors and you're overlooking the ocean um so no the, they're beautiful uh, atmospherically the 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 the, uh, the restaurants are beautiful there uh, as far as like, was there, you know what? There was, uh, oh goodness, what was it? There's something my sister kept wanting to get. I feel like there's some special ice cream or something.
0: You're really not making a good case for why we should have you back on the show.
2: Listen, I am not I am not your food guy. That is for sure. <laughs> uh, That's fair. Yeah. Surely it was like the shaved ice place you're talking about. That's kind yes. of like a thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, my sister was really into the shaved ice. Uh, I remember really good French fries out by the swimming pool. I, <laughs> I just, Very Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make your way to Hawaii. They
0: have excellent French fries.
2: So uh, one of the fun little things was the the Menohene, the, meno uh, the little people that live in the resort. And their little Menohene, I think I'm saying it correctly, uh Troll, I guess not not really trolls, but little like gremlin like creatures that are, are hidden all over the resort. Oh, they're not real. No, no, they're not real. They're like little <laughs> okay. statues. I was like the little people who live in the resort. This is offensive. <laughs> yeah, I'm offended. Uh, <laughs> no, they're they're super cute. Like they have a little kids water play area that's like the M- hay Menuheno- hey area where they there's a ton of them. You know that are uh, sprinklers and such, but they're also hidden in the elevator and they're hidden all over the resort. And you just like, kind of will find them in random places and like, Oh look, another menu. they're is just this, so cute.
3: Is this like the little rock people in Moana?
2: Sure. But they're like little wooden carved creatures. Oh, uh, okay. Hmm.
3: Um, so what would you say is like the, the things that you would like to see better? Like, was there something disappointing to you or a bad experience you had while at the resort?
2: Ooh. No. Um, there really weren't. I, I, once again, like I am not a relaxer at all. And all I wanted to do was lay there and relax at Awolade. Um, it's, they've created such an atmosphere that's just so peaceful that it's insane. I feel like there's enough activities to do if you want to do a lot of that stuff. And of course there's stuff on the island to do Um, but like I said, they had, uh, ukulele lessons and they had a lot of other classes and lessons that were free. Um, they had a lot of free tours. Uh, The thing that upset me, I, I guess, was they did have, uh, snorkeling. Like, they have a separate tank in the middle of the resort, uh, full of saltwater fish that you can snorkel with. And it was like an additional fee. I was like, that's a little tacky. Why isn't this free? But, so that seemed a little... Uh, i wish that was free that's the thing i would change and when i was there they were still doing construction on the adult pool so um that was not finished yet so you know that's where
3: the that's where the nude bathing was going to
2: (laughs) the
1: adult pool
2: exactly
3: this is not happening at
1: at the resort you need to go (laughs) probably not stay at the
2: disney resort for the nude swimming (laughs) No, I love it. Oh, The one thing I do wish that they had was fireworks. I felt like it was a really, the view is so stunningly beautiful out into the ocean. There was like, oh my God, why is there not a barge out there, you know, at night shooting off fireworks? This is the perfect place. So I do wish it had a fireworks show, even just a short little thing.
0: But then all the other guests at the Cheapo resorts, well, relatively speaking, Cheapo would have a free fireworks show. But
2: they don't get the music yeah, but they wouldn't get the music pumping. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's
0: true. And all the cast members would be like, "Turn around,
3: don't look. <laughs> yeah, go back to your room."
2: How There's far a lot the... of?
3: Sorry, go ahead. I was just say how far is the beach off of the resort? I mean, is it right on the beach? Oh, it's right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So
2: each of each of the resorts kind of have like a man-made. Um, Semicircle, like, so they put like a a row of rocks out in the middle of the ocean to stop the intense waves from hitting the resort area, and then they've carved out a like a half circle uh, beach area for each of the resorts. So there's like four of those. Uh, the interesting thing is that the coastal lines in Hawaii cannot be privately owned. So. Anybody can come use them, even if they're Ah. not staying at the resort. So you will have locals come use the beach. Um, The difference is there's, you know, obviously tons of beach chairs and stuff out for the guests to use. So every morning you have to get a wristband and it's a different color every morning to signify that you're staying at the resort. And you can use their towels and their chairs and their swimming pool and all that jazz.
0: Is it like a race to get a chair in the morning?
2: I wouldn't say race, but you definitely have to, like, slightly... You have to fight a little bit. When did I go? I went in the summer, so it would have been peak season. And um, they do do this weird thing that, like, if you're not at your chair, like, within an hour, they'll take your stuff and move it away. I was like, (laughs) really? So if you're, like, out having fun, you better go back to your chair every once in a while. Which is, you know, it's good because they otherwise people would hog it all day right like i actually really get that but it, it would be a little jarring to be like uh where's all my crap yeah and if you want they do have you know private cabanas for sale as well uh so you could do that and they have a pool that overlooks the ocean what do they call them like an infinity actually it's like an infinity jacuzzi i believe um it's it's oh it's stunning i love owlanay well, listen. I'm sold.
0: I I think in the next few years I'm gonna have to at least do some research and see if I can make my way down there because it sounds amazing. And the way and the way you said it's even better than the other ones there makes me think it's not just like an average Hawaiian vacation, but it's it's got that extra Disney magic.
2: So. Yeah, it does. not and, and also none of the other resorts really give any attempt to make it uh, culturally. Uh, uh, realistic as far as Hawaii is concerned. Like they're they're nice five star modern looking resorts. They're nice, it's just it doesn't like you feel like you're at home in Hawaii at Aulani. It's really awesome.
0: Nice. Well Jeff, while you're here, we wanted to do a segment that we actually haven't done in a very long time, but we're gonna bring it back today. We call it Did that just happen?
3: Curious and curious
0: And this is a segment where we each tell a story from our time in the parks, a story that had us shaking our heads because it was so bizarre. And later we asked ourselves, did that just happen? So, Jeff, do you want to do the honors of uh, getting us started?
2: Sure. Um, Thank you. And when I'm a guest on another person's podcast, I really like to uh, make sure that uh, I'm not only bringing myself, but also making it fitting to to that person's show. So, I felt like a crap story was in need for um,
1: the Mad Chatters.
2: Warms my heart. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, here we go. You ready for this? Sitting uh, at Mickey and the Magical Map, which I sometimes call Mickey and the Tragical Crap, um, Uh, They one day... Girl. It just rhymes. Listen, it just (laughs) rhymes beautifully. Um, It's grown on me. But... Uh, one day, right before the princess segment of the show, the show just came to a stop, and you know they you hear over the announcement, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry, but today's performance cannot continue. Uh, fast forward a little, texting people, uh, you know, the, you know, backstage, like, hey, what happened? Why was the show canceled? Uh, because a princess needed to take a crap was the answer I got. Uh, uh. <laughs> and I'm like. Did that just happen? Yeah. Yeah. The show They're- stopped because the princess was in need of the restroom. <laughs> you know that was Pocahontas. <laughs> you know it was Pocahontas? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true story. Wow. wow. You know,
3: that wow. sounds like... what was? Remember those commercials a couple years ago for, like, the, the diarrhea medicine? was it? Um, Imodium. Imodium, and it was like... Where were you? Where are you going to be when you have your emodium moment? Yeah, <laughs> like that yeah. is like I was about to go on stage.
2: <laughs> yeah. So a princess had an emodium moment, and they're like, "Well, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. There's no princess to go out and sing." So we end the show. Wow. wow.
3: They couldn't like stall. I mean, no pun
2: intended. Ah, but they couldn't like. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Jeremy, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyways that's good
0: um mine happened to me and not to me but my story occurred this past february on my last trip um so we always talk about those nasty cranes those birds in frontier land and jeremy you've talked about like feeding them turkey legs or whatever
3: i mean i don't do this personally but i've seen people do it yes
0: See, I've never seen that. And I believe you, but I'm like, man, I've never seen anything like that. Okay, well, on this last trip, I was walking down that street towards Liberty Square. And there was an older couple walking the other way, like towards the bridge that goes straight to Big Thunder. And I heard the guy yell, hey! And I turned and look, and a bird had just grabbed the churro out of his hand (laughs) and was flying towards the water and, like, immediately dropped the churro... And so he the bird got back down on the sidewalk and like picked it up again. And by this time, like two or three other birds are flying with him almost like, Yeah, we did it. We got it. (laughs) Like that's what it felt like to me, like they're all in together. And by this point, everyone or at least in my peripheral sight, everyone is stopped and is watching this bird. So then he flies a little bit further towards the water with the churro and drops it again, like right by the water. And then it kind of looks like the birds just kind of gave up on it and left. And the churro just sat there. But it was the guy's, hey, that got my attention. And everybody's watching. But the thing was, then I watched this couple and the guy looked so mad. He was like, ah, ah. And his wife was kind of like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened. And then they kept walking. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you go back to that churro stand (laughs) and get another (laughs) churro. But he was like so upset. He was like, ah,
1: my
3: churro, that
0: bird. I was like, they're going to give you another one.
1: In the fall, we need to get you like because you always see those birds and things at Walt Disney World, and we and we think or we thought and I thought like this is just part of the Disney World experience. It's part of the Central Florida experience. So I like, you you can walk out of your house on any given day during the fall, and your my whole yard will be filled with those nasty cranes. Oh, that's say as you, Yeah, I would love for w- you to be here when that happens.
2: I would like for there to be a study as to whether or not uh, theme park birds have high blood pressure and or diabetes based <laughs> on the food that they eat um, dying. yeah it's unbelievable the amount of sh- sugar and salt that these animals intake in theme parks that really they're not used to so I have a feeling they die at a young well, age
1: yeah because if there's like regular flu and then you know bird flu that's bad so like regular diabetes and then like bird diabetes. Instant death. <laughs> you sound like
3: whatever his name is on the commercial.
1: I, I intentionally say it that way. The good news
0: in this bird's case was, I really think he just dropped the churro and then they just kind of left it. Like, cause I felt like I watched for a little bit and they just didn't eat it. So I feel like his main goal was just to antagonize this poor old man. Yeah. As birds do. Gosh, they're the worst.
3: Bird bullying <laughs> is definitely a problem in this world.
0: Yeah. And there were a lot yeah. of them in on it too. There were like four or five that, Instantly, like, flocked around this one as soon as he grabbed the churro. And I remember, like, I saw our friends Aaron and Ruben. I turned the corner, basically, and they were there. And I was still kind of like, the, it, you won't believe what just happened. That was crazy.
1: <laughs> well, mine happened Saturday night, this past Saturday night in Magic Kingdom. I have others I could tell, but this one just really, really, really cracked me up. A couple months ago, we went to the Magic Kingdom. And I'm not usually back in Fantasyland land during the fireworks but with our little one of course we're in fantasy land a lot more often these days and uh, a couple of months ago i went and i noticed um shortly before nine o'clock or ten o'clock whenever it was at that time wishes was about to start so you know how you have cinderella castle and you go through it and then there's the carousel right when wishes is about to start they block off an entire area and kind of if you're at the carousel you start about halfway and then, about like in front of Philharmagic, in front of the Princess Fairy Tale Hall, all that's blocked off. And they spray water and stuff to keep, I guess, ashes and stuff from catching or whatever it is. Um, and so, behind this rope, people begin to form seating areas. And we're talking about just people going over and just manhandling uh, chairs from the friar's nook. And just bringing it over there. like, And the cast members are just letting them do it. So there are people lining up. Chairs. Okay, so get this picture. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people watch, trying to watch the fireworks behind the castle. A couple months ago, I noticed it, but I didn't stick around for the ending. What happens is people in their brains, and I don't fault them for this. It's just funny to watch happen. People in their brains, they see the postcards. They see the fireworks over the castle. They think, oh, the fireworks are over top of the castle. You know, right? And so when they're sitting behind the castle, they've got all these cheers. I mean, hundreds of, and hundreds of people lined up to watch the fireworks, all sitting like blankets on the ground, sitting around facing the castle. OK, now, for those of you that do not know, the fireworks of the Magic Kingdom are launched one mile behind the castle. So behind Fantasyland, I mean, way back behind the Magic Kingdom altogether, very, very far away not over the castle. Right. So what happened this past Saturday night I was I just I stood there to watch the the chaos ensue. So there's blankets, there's chairs, hundreds and hundreds of people, there's iPads, there's phones, everybody the music for wishes kicks off, you know, and everybody's got their phones and their cameras ready staring up at the castle and suddenly the fireworks start going off. <laughs> <laughs> and for like, there's a chaotic period for like 10 seconds of people looking around wondering where the fireworks are. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you just see a flash of light as all the phones and all the tablets immediately shift around behind them and all the chairs start moving and all the people got to resituate. You think a cast member would, come, they must get entertainment out of it because this happens every night. You think they would come by and say, actually, folks, the fireworks are going to be back there, so you'll have good viewing if you just turn around. But no, I know they're sitting there watching this happen every night and getting a kick out of it. And it was pretty entertaining to watch. Where did you say they get the chairs? Like the Friars Nook and all those little, the the two little counter service places there beside Winnie the Pooh.
3: I'll tell you why, because the cast members don't say anything because they got to take those chairs back. And so they're like stupid people leaving the chairs out there. I ain't saying nothing to them. They'll have to figure it out on their own. Yeah,
1: I mean, th- that's true. it would be one thing if it was just a small little collection of people but you can tell people have thought and I, I they gotta be kicking themselves people have thought man we have beaten the system we're gonna get a <laughs> castle view of the fireworks without the hassle of main street and then they start going <laughs> a mile behind you the other way <laughs> that's great so not like a bizarre shocking moment but certainly an entertaining one like yeah more like a that just happened than I did that just happened
3: It's kind of like when all the people were still lining up on Main Street for the parade after the parade ended. (laughs) And you're just like, muggles.
0: I think it's fair to say that Disney's Hollywood Studios is not its best self right now. Over the last years it's had sort of an identity crisis. It's going through puberty and it's awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's going undergoing a major overhaul for sure.
3: It's starting to get hair in weird places, it smells kind of funny. It's starting to notice other theme parks. It just <laughs> is. The <way> it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and while I'm sure the park will be a wonderful, incredible destination and will bring in large numbers once Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land open. On today's show, instead of looking forward to that time, we're going to look back at what you might call Hollywood Studios heyday. Uh, in our recurring countdown to park extinction segments, we typically have gone back to the opening days of the parks at Walt Disney World. But today, as we honor Hollywood Studios 28, I think that's right, 28th anniversary, which will take place on May 1st, we're going to set our coordinates not to 1989 when the park opened, but to 1994 when the park arguably hit its stride. So, without further ado, let's hop in our Time Rovers and journey back to year five of Disney NGM Studios. Time travelers, place all loose items in the pouch in front of you, fasten your seatbelt, and remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the Time Rover. And please watch children. Time travel commencing in T minus 10 seconds and counting now for a bit of background and i'm hoping you guys will help me fill in the holes but uh, michael eisner sort of um was the the brains i guess you could kind of say behind disney mgm studios this was his baby that he wanted to get off the ground and i think it probably started when universal studios announced that they were going to build a studios park and at that point it basically became a race like who was gonna build their park first
3: Well, let's not forget that the origins of the park started as a pavilion at Epcot initially. So
2: it goes back even further
3: than that.
0: See, I didn't even know that.
2: Yeah, they were going to have a movie studio or a movie themed area at Epcot. And the story goes that they were in a meeting and they saw the, you know, the the, um, model up in Epcot where it would have been placed. And Michael Eisner was like, you know what, this is its own little thing. Let's separate it and make it its own theme park. Probably partially initiated by the fact that they heard about Universal happening. Sure, oh. sure.
0: And the original concept, this was going to operate as both a theme park, but also a full-fledged television and motion picture production facility.
2: Mistake number one.
0: Uh, maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, you think... So? Wait a second, you think it was a mistake to make it a real
1: working studio? Oh, yeah. Well, I well no, let me say it this way. It was a mistake, uh... Let's say it just wasn't well executed. They realized that like two years in and it stops, it stops being – they stop aiming at that. They still have like remnants of that
2: for a long time, but it's kind of just like sad remnants until yeah, they just forgot about it altogether. I've got to be honest. It's one of the things that I liked most about it when the park first opened. And same with Universal because they had Nickelodeon Studios that shot shows there. And I really, I loved that about it. I mean, I was a kid that wanted to be in showbiz, so maybe just just made me a little bit more interested than, than the common person. But I loved the fact that it was a real working studio. And I don't know, I've, I've heard things about like just shooting stuff in a theme park is difficult. And that's part of the reason why it went away. But also, I, I don't know if there might have been some like tax incentives that went away or something. Because I find oh. it strange that both of them around the same time stopped producing stuff.
0: Interesting. Um, well, well, let me get into the reason that we jumped ahead to 1994 and not 1989. The park did open May 1st. It beat Universal. Universal opened in 1990. Uh, Michael Eisner, his quote was, Welcome to the Hollywood that always was and never will be. Um, but to be honest, the park didn't have a ton going for it when it first opened. It almost felt like, I mean, reading about it, it almost feels to me like they said, It's good enough. Like, let's open it and eventually, you know, we'll grow. Uh, but it, yeah. had the, it had the great movie ride. It had the two-hour-plus backsta- backstage studio tour. It had the magic of Disney animation, which only just recently left. Um, it had a few other things, but, like, Indiana Jones stunt show didn't open until later that year. Star Tours didn't open until December of that year. Um, but even then, even with those that show and that attraction, it, the park was probably a half-day park at best. Um But in 1994, in July, came the first really big expansion, and that was Sunset Boulevard with the crown jewel Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So that's where we're going to pick up on this episode in 1994, five years into the park's, I guess, lifespan.
3: And I feel like Sunset Boulevard really is the highlight of that theme that Michael Eisner was going for, because I get that sense of classic Hollywood when I'm walking down it, especially with the Tower of Terror there. And it, you just kind of feel that that old Hollywood feel. It, and it's kind of a mythical, you know. We were talking about, um, before we started recording, about the recent show on FX Feud, uh, which, if you haven't watched it, is a great show. I just love everything about it. And I do get the feeling sometimes when I'm walking down Sunset Boulevard that Joan Crawford could be just right there, you know, kind of these larger-than-life Hollywood uh Leading ladies and, and leading men, you know, Clark Gable and all that kind of thing. Uh, and it has to do with some of the streetmosphere that happens there. They have some of the fun uh, actors that come out and portray these kind of characters. But it just, it, it, you kind of feel like you step back in time a little bit.
2: Yeah, I do think that they did a better job creating an old Hollywood feel than Universal. Like, walking in and seeing Grauman's Chinese Theater and seeing Sunset Boulevard. Even some stuff that they they both have, like the Brown Derby. I just feel like Disney did it a lot better. Um, I think Universal has like a Rodeo Drive, which which, um, Disney MGM doesn't really have. But, I don't know, I think the old Hollywood feel lives much better. At the Disney theme park. Totally. The only time
3: I get an old Hollywood feel at Universal, and granted, I wasn't there in the early days. It's just within the last 10 years, but I only get that feeling around the I Love Lucy area where they do the little yeah. walkthrough. And personally, I love that. I think that's great. And I hope that never goes away from Universal. It's is it gone? has gone, I believe. Yep.
2: When? Uh, I feel like a couple of years ago. I know I left Hollywood several years ago, um, and I believe Florida's is now gone. It's got no. a. It's a minion. It's a minion
1: carousel.
3: <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> I don't know
1: what it is. Yeah, it's probably. It probably is something terrible.
3: That hurts yep. my heart. Well, they had the the horror makeup show, you know, yes, and that was kind still of still have that. Yeah,
0: Jeremy. If your heart gets hurt by things that used to be there that are now closed, you're not going to love this episode ahead of us. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, what we do on Countdown Park Stin- Countdown to Park Extinction episodes is we basically give uh, give a tour of what you could expect to see at the park at that time. Um, so I'm going to get us started by uh, entering at the entrance, which I think is a wonderful place to start. And honestly, a lot of Hollywood Boulevard, that that main street that leads up to the, the Grauman Theater, the Chinese Theater, uh, a lot of it was the same as what you'll find today. And I think that's okay. Um, there there are certain parts of Hollywood Studios that I'm glad are, are gone, but I, I think this, this will forever Be perfect because it's it's a piece of the past, you know. I like it. Me too. Can I just
3: give a quick update? I'm sorry, I'm I'm still stuck at 10 minutes ago. It did close in 2015, and they put in a Hello Kitty interactive retail experience. That's right. Yep. Lucy is way better than Hello Kitty. I mean, just what do you expect? It is Universal. You're right. Is nothing sacred anymore?
0: If it's okay, I'm going to rein us back in and oh, bring sorry. us back yes. to Hollywood Studios. where are uh, back in 1994. You could still find things like Crossroads of the World, obviously. The big, um, I don't, I don't, you wouldn't really call it a tower, but the big icon with Mickey at the top. You could find Oscar's Super Service with the truck on your right as you enter. A lot of the shops were the same. There was Mickey's of Hollywood on your left. The Dark Room, which... I could be wrong, but I'm guessing the Dark Room, which is still the Dark Room, at that time actually served more as like a photo shop.
1: Yeah, they all all had those kind of places.
0: Yeah, like buying disposable cameras and film and stuff you would need in 1994, even if you don't necessarily need it today. Um, There was a shop called Celebrity 5 and 10, which I think is still there. Or maybe it's just called 5 and 10. Anyway, um, L.A. Cinema Storage, which is now starbucks um but but generally it looked the same as it does today
1: yeah and i appreciate that too there there are some haters of uh, hollywood uh what's it called hollywood uh boulevard, boulevard. and uh, they're too much of a comparison to main street which it is quote unquote hollywood studios main street i get that but it's not supposed to be main street people get crazy about how the force perspective is terrible and it doesn't work I'm like it's just a different thing. I like the, the fact that it feels a little a little more intimate a little closer than than the others and the music and stuff is wonderful see I think everything that Sunset Boulevard does well Jeremy what you were saying earlier about capturing that uh, Hollywood that never was never will be and is and always was an eternal and stuff <laughs> I think that I think that I think Hollywood Boulevard does that um, well too.
3: You're such a such a poet. Yeah,
2: yeah and I <laughs> I do think that it, it has a beautiful reveal of, of the um, debatable weenie of the park, which I consider to be the Chinese theater. I think that view yeah. down Hollywood Boulevard to the theater is lovely, and I'm one of the people that was adamantly against that sorcerer's hat. So, um, yeah, I think Hollywood Boulevard is the perfect introduction to that.
0: Yeah. Okay, now picture just a year before this Hollywood Studios, you know, was a straight shot to the Chinese theater. You had the Hollywood Brown Derby on your right, which obviously stayed. But imagine, like, Sunset Boulevard's not even there. You know, I think the theater, the, the stars, was actually there. Um it was there. Yeah, it was there. But now we're in 19... 19- <laughs> <laughs> it was there. But now in 1994, they have completely expanded that. Um, I, I don't know, like, quarter mile, maybe. Yeah, maybe not that far. But, um... Uh, it's pretty long. It is pretty long. And and now you have Sunset Boulevard. They moved Theater of the Stars down to the end, right before the Tower of Terror. Now, you don't have Rock and Roller Coaster until 99. Um, but other than that, you're going to find a lot of the same things. Uh, so let's... You, you could still find Starring Roles, which, by the way, is now gone. So I guess I yeah. shouldn't say still find Starring Roles. Um, but Starring Roles was there. I want to talk about Theater of the Stars for a second. Because even though this was 23 years ago... Beauty and the Beast was already showing at this theater. Um, But before Beauty and the Beast took over, there was a Dick Tracy show. And the one I find most interesting is Hollywood's Pretty Woman, which featured Mickey and the gang trying to impress Roger Rabbit with their salute to the women of Hollywood lore. And the show ended with surprise appearances by walk-around characters kermit and miss piggy who are as tall as the mickey character yeah and i found the picture of it and it's like it's awesome but it's also a little jarring because it's like why is kermit huge and wearing a pantsuit
2: (laughs) well they had whole shows those characters the kermit all the muppets had lives in um but yeah i'd never heard of this show i love the dick tracy show but uh i'm not familiar with this other one you mentioned yeah, this was in between. Uh, but like I said, Beauty and the Beast
0: opened in 91. And then when uh, Sunset Boulevard opened in 94 and they moved the theater, it still had Beauty and the Beast. It was just now in a new location. Did they
2: I actually like, move the theater? Like, or did they, they just build a new theater?
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know. It's a good question.
3: Yeah. I would like to see the. Uh disney pretty woman to actually be minnie is living as a prostitute and mickey you know is the gentleman that brings her out of it in a julia roberts richard Gere sort of way
0: listen i'm not gonna lie because this show was in 1990 and when i saw just the title of it i was like shut up did they do a pretty woman (laughs) (laughs) like did they remake pretty woman with characters
3: i thought the same
2: exact thing
3: like, you remember how, like, everything's kind of, like, oversized in Minnie's house, in Mickey's house in Toontown? Can't you see, like, a scene in the show with, like, really oversized pearls in a big box? And, like, Minnie goes to grab it and it snaps, you know? <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> I would watch that. Me too. Uh, okay, so a lot of the restaurants were also the same. Rosie's, instead of, what's it called? Rosie's All-American Cafe. Now, at the time, it was Rosie's Red Hot Dogs. Uh, but Anaheim Produs was still there. Catalina Eddies was still there. Fantasmic was not. Rock and Roller Coaster was not on one side of Tower of Terror. And on the other side, Fantasmic wasn't there yet. But you do have the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. I believe the only difference at the time was it was not randomized yet. Right. It was advertised as a 13-story drop straight down. It had now, one, as little, a t-
1: one little trick like that. And then gone.
3: As it. a child, I remember seeing the commercials yeah. advertising for this. And the whole thing was be dropped 13 stories. So that was definitely the big draw, which to me now is kind of laughable. Can you imagine waiting in line and it's just one drop?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Well, it, I, I don't know exactly when this changed, but do you remember when there were no seat belts? It was just a lap bar on Tower of Terror? Oh, I don't.
0: Yeah. At least there was a lap bar. When you said that, I was like, "There's no way they did that without seatbelts." But I'm with you now. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was just a lap bar. But I mean, imagine sitting next to a fat guy as a little kid. That's oh. kind of terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like individual lap bars. It was one bar that went across the whole road. The only person that got a seatbelt was the back row center. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Sunset
0: Boulevard. I mean, it, it only had. It really only added a few eating places and an, an attraction. Um, because, like I said, theater of the stars was technically already there, but I have to imagine this was this really just transformed the park in a sense.
1: Yeah, let me retract the statement I made a couple episodes ago. I don't remember when it was. We're talking about expansions and um, and that kind of uh, stuff, and I I made the comment that Expedition Everest and Anandapur were were the was the first, in my opinion, immersive expansion that came with an attraction like we're going to do an attraction in this whole thing and i guess really that's sunset boulevard in Hollywood and uh the tower of terror yeah that's a great point it's it, the, it, i mean it's an expansion that was built for this attraction yeah but also you know housed more people and gave more eating and dining options and um shopping options yeah i it's,
0: i love sunset boulevard those tall palm trees i love yes, the yes. circle uh, replica at the end of the street uh, such a great little street there
2: i love the street misphere there because they have the what do they call them the hollywood citizens, uh, hollywood. hollywood citizens yeah so one of my favorite movies of all time is sunset boulevard and yes the fact that they have a norma desmond ripoff there did matthew just make a face at no because i knew jeremy was gonna be all over it i would never seen it before It's Ah. one of the greatest movies ever made, and I just saw the musical on Broadway with Glenn Close, and it's phenomenal. But in any case, um, they have the Norma Desmond character (laughs) that they call Dorma Desmond that literally had me, like, rolling, laughing when I was just there. And the funny thing is, if you you Google image Dorma Desmond, it's, like, 99% of the time the same woman that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy and I have a picture with her from, like, 2008, I want
0: to say, and it's still the same woman
2: she She was great. I chased her down the street for a photo, and she was she was really sweet.
1: There where you go to the if you right when you come down Sunset Boulevard, you turn to the right where the restrooms are. It's like a little brick bridge, little garage looking place. Yeah, yeah. that's where uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but there's a terrible that just little area, just that one little block of Sunset Boulevard smells of just garbage and sewer. I don't know if it's because there's a dumpster, like, right behind it, but it's just that one little area, like, you're outside of McDonald's next to the dumpster.
0: That's actually probably a fair assessment of the real Hollywood than anything else you see <laughs> yeah, on Sunset true. Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Accurate. Um, anyway, so we're going to make our way back through Sunset Boulevard, turn right, and like I said, there's the Hollywood Brown Derby. And then that leads you right up to the famous archway that has always said Disney MGM Studios at the top. Which is the entrance to the animation courtyard, and uh, Matt, I'll I'll let you take over from here.
1: This is my section. <laughs> um, if you go through through the arch, which looks like it would lead to something wonderful, uh, to the right. That, that we're, I don't want. To, we're not going to mention every restaurant I know, but there it's worth mentioning that here was this uh, this this food court type place. And God help me if I can't remember to read the name of it. Soundstage restaurant featuring aladdin so aladdin what was it, aladdin 93
0: 92
1: okay well they're still riding on the aladdin curtail because they had the parade at this time and you know, this, this thing but there was <laughs> where the uh the disney jr and the former playhouse disney area is you can still see the remnants of of this and it's it's kind of cool when you go in there um there would have been a lot of seating areas. Think of it like a food court. And there would have been different little windows for different things. And that's what this was. This was Above that, which you can still see this, there is an actual catwalk there now that surrounds the whole thing. It looks like almost a second level inside that Playhouse Disney or Disney Junior Theater. This was the catwalk lounge, the catwalk bar that a lot of people still have very fond memories of, apparently, um, that was there. So I never, I don't remember any of this and I, I was there, but I don't know that we ever ate there or certainly didn't go to the bar when I was nine years old, but.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Have you heard of the movie Big Business with Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin?
1: Yeah, because of this, right?
0: They they film here? Well, I, I don't know if they film there. I've never heard of this movie, but apparently when this restaurant opened, it was themed to the movie Big Business. Oh, never mind. Yeah, but then it became Aladdin, and later on, I think it had, like,
1: Pocahontas. Across the way is Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which um, is still there. And then, uh, yeah, Derek hates this. I I still have a little place in my heart for it. It's it's charming. It is charming. Hate's a strong word. I just, I saw it for the
0: first time in its entirety a couple of months ago.
2: What year did it open? What?! Wait a sec, how did you get through life without having seen Voyage of the Little Mermaid in its entirety? What, do you walk out halfway through? He no, slaps. he falls asleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you guys, w- I watched it with Aaron, I think in February, and we were barely into it. Where I was like, oh, I remember this. This is the last thing I remember from the show. Like, I never saw <laughs> Ursula. I never, I <laughs> oh, never Ursula's saw the best part. Ursula is by far the best
2: part. It's not that good, you guys. So, what year did this open? I should have researched this. I want Mermaid? to say 90, 90 or ninety-one. It was not long after the movie.
1: Yeah, because it was a, a Muppets live stage show. Yeah. Before that, with the life-size walk-around Muppets that were there, but The uh, Little Mermaid's been there since since the, since the early '90s, and it was it was there. At this time, then there was the uh, the magic of Disney animation, which I believe started off as kind of a guided tour through different sections. And there was this, there was that. By this time, it's a self-guided tour, and there's a uh, there uh, a special called Back to Neverland. This was the one featuring Robin Williams, correct? I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, he was the genie, and he was kind of Mrs. Doubtfire was what 93. He was he was big time stuff at that point and it was a wonderful little little thing i just remember him being on on the the tv screen talking about animation what what have you went through a little tour you saw how they did this and then you would empty out into actual actual might be a strong word Uh, staged animation studios where there were like, you know, easels and desks. And sometimes there were actually people sitting there sketching or painting cells. And uh, the cool thing about this at that point was that you could see kind of first looks at the next big animated feature. So I remember kind of in the mid 90s starting to see background um, work and character work being done on Tarzan, uh, which I thought was going to be good at that point. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, Don't Uh hate on
0: Tarzan. Well, I remember the Full House scene where Joey went in here and he got to meet some real animators. I mean, obviously, Full House is a sitcom, uh, but I do feel like there had to have been some truth to that. He met some real animators who were working on current projects.
2: Yeah, they produced movies from there.
0: Yeah,
1: The thing, uh, it's on the the map that you you provided us with so helpfully, but the actual Walt Disney Picture Animation Studios, Florida, there was an actual branch here that only shut down... Maybe um maybe like ten years ago.
2: Yeah, I think the last feature they did was either Brother Bear or Br- Brother Bear Two. I well, think. that'll do it. Um, I know. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I know Lilo and Stitch was made there. I believe maybe Pocahontas. I'm not quite sure about no, that. No Mulan. But yeah, they, it's like Mulan. Oh, Mulan. Uh,
3: Brother Bear. Uh, Treasure Planet. You know those kind oh, of things. Man,
1: Florida had it bad.
3: Hey, but you know what? I read something uh, on a website couple of weeks ago that was talking about the florida animation and yeah those movies are maybe not the best and they are not well loved but they certainly have their cult followings a lot of them and, yeah. and some of them are underappreciated in my opinion i think atlantis is a pretty good movie I, I like
2: that one too yeah and
3: i think brother bear actually is not it, it has its moments it's not terrible
2: but well, rick makes- moranis is in it so that's like a play <laughs> there you go
3: there you go um the movie that actually ended his career, because I don't think he did anything after that. Uh,
2: no. Well, no, come on, it didn't end his career. He left the Hollywood by choice. He left it on his own. Exactly. Okay, my bad. My I take it back. But my okay, point back is, ni- nineteen
3: ninety four. Well, somebody said that the, that they um that th- this was kind of the redheaded stepchild of Disney animation, and they were really able to kind of do whatever they wanted to do without the studio heads interfering because they all were in california and yeah they produced some movies that maybe are not again cinderella or frozen level quality or or popularity but uh they contributed in their own way and i thought that was a good way of looking at it sometimes those those uh ostracized is that the right word ostracized
1: Lord, where are you
0: going? Yeah, maybe.
3: Those films films that are kind of pushed out to the side and overlooked, but yet they kind of paved the way for things down the road.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember when Hollywood Studios was closing everything, you know, over the last couple of years, I feel like when they closed Magic of Disney Animation, as far as fan reaction went, this was one of the biggest shocks and the biggest letdowns was when they closed this
1: yeah, and I was surprised by that, because by that point, all there was was the little show with the with Mushu and the terrible acting cast member, and then you would go in and sketch a character. I mean, it was just a, a absolute half-shelf, half-shelf, half-shell of its former self. Like, it was nothing.
3: True, like, yeah. but like to me... It kind of felt like when, if you've seen *Waking Sleeping Beauty*, it had those echoes of when they wanted to close down animation back in the '80s because it wasn't making money and being profitable. And and uh, uh, Roy Disney really stood up and fought for it. To me, Once, when they shut down animation, it was like, "Hey, hey, hey! Now come on!" This well, is now, now at- when
1: they shut down animation, yes, I'm talking about the the attraction itself. Yeah, that's two different things to me. When they did shut down animation, it was kind of like, "Well, that's." That's odd. And, but the, after that, when the attraction was what it
2: was, by the time we were going, I was like, this is a waste of space. Hmm. I don't think it ever really made financial sense, and I could be completely wrong about this, but my assumption would be that it never made financial sense to have animation over there because, like you said, their base was in Hollywood. So, I'm sure it was one of those things where Michael Eisner was like, okay, we want this to be a working movie studio. That's the whole concept of this place. And what's Walt Disney known for? It's animation. So we have have to have some sort of animation studio here in this production theme park. I'm sure that's why it was put there. In my opinion, I kind of wish it was still there and like they did a television animation because most of that shipped overseas so i would rather have that stuff produced in florida and have like the feature stuff produced in hollywood
3: yeah but Japan. you also have um you had an animation studio at this point in paris as well the, a lot of the the artists were for for instance um uh the tune tune films you know what i'm yeah. talking about, Disney like, yeah, those were all made over in Paris, and, and a lot of your secondary animation was being done overseas there in Paris. So, I mean, it wasn't outrageous to think that there was animation happening for Disney films outside of California.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, last, certainly not least, in this area, and uh, this will come as a surprise, and this is one of those wonderful moments when you're like, What? But this was 1994 and the entrance to what we would have known uh, post uh, 1998, I think, as the backlot tour um, between sandwiched between Voyage of the Little Mermaid and uh, the magic of Disney animation was the backstage studio tour featuring Catastrophe Canyon. Now, if you remember the backlot tour, the way it was, the way we knew it. Uh, there was an entrance, uh, way up past Toy Story Mania, right before you got to what used to be the Streets of America, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playset area, okay? And, uh, that, that's where you waited, you saw props from, like, Pearl Harbor, Crimson Tide before that, I think, and then you went to the water tank where there was the little volunteer show and all that stuff. All the way back by Voyage of the Little Mermaid was where you boarded the trams at this point. Now, by '94, I think we've settled in the dispute that uh, the the tour, the tram tour, was only 25 minutes. It was no longer the two and a half hour uh, tram tour, and then a break, and then the walking tour. It was just the tram tour. This backstage studio tour was that took you through, um, if you remember, the old dark tunnels where there was the the sewing and the costume making, and some of maybe sets or props being uh, built for. By this time, it was more Disney attractions, and maybe there was some remnants of of some live-action movies. Like, I remember some of the costumes from 101 Dalmatians, uh, the live-action 96, were there uh, later. You rode by um, some—the whole junkyard, I think that's what they call it, the boneyard of, like— Cars and airplanes and helicopters and I remember there's a snowspeeder from Star Wars was there all kinds of those kind of props um, laying around. One cool thing was now I forgot what they called the airplane. It was Walt's plane that he used to scout
2: it's- the land where where the Florida project, Walt Disney World, was. So that was always they had the the solar van from Honey I Blew Up the Kid as well. Of course. <laughs>
3: If yes, By I, this
2: time, I was just gonna say about the costumes.
3: I always thought this was oh. so underused. Like, I would give anything to go into the costume you would like shop, the costumes. Yeah, just, I remember you yeah. loving this this part. I did, and and like you just drive through in the tram, and you maybe get like five seconds of a view in there. Like, that is a really cool thing. Like, not, I mean, it'd be cool to see movie costume props. Don't get me wrong, or movie costumes and props. But even just seeing the costumes for Disney workers and just being able to kind of like take a brief little tour through there and be like, here's the jungle cruise costumes. Here's the such and such costumes, blah, blah. That'd be a really neat experience.
1: Yeah. So as the uh, tram, if you could imagine the tram taking off behind Voyage of the Little Mermaid, mermaid uh, going down the street, when you get up to where for our, our, our current modern Disney World fan new world new Disney World fans that might remember lights motors action the stunt show that was there where that theater sat because it's gone now thank you jesus where that uh, theater sat was residential street and this to me looking back on it would have been the highlight for me and this was uh, just i mean literally a row a road full of House facades that were used for the exterior shots for shows like uh, Empty Nest, Harry and the Hendersons, The Golden Girls House was here, Vern's House from Ernest Saves Christmas, and Alice's House from the little remembered early 90s Disney Channel show Adventures in Wonderland, which I always thought was great to see. There were some others here, uh, but those are kind of the big ones in my mind. As you exited Residential Street, you got um, the view through the the arch there at the end down the streets of America, um, which I'll let someone else talk about. The trams used to go down there, but at this time they turned right back through Catastrophe Canyon. Catastrophe Canyon I always thought was kind of a cool little thing. It was like Disney's version of like the earthquake ride, yeah, but it was outdoors. And so you would go around and you would get to this thing. And the whole thing was, this is a live soundstage where they've recorded some special effects scenes. And you were just going through, they're done filming, they're done for the day. You're just kind of looking at it and all this stuff. And then suddenly, they start filming with the tram, you know, in the middle of the set. And this big gas oil tanker explodes, and then the the big uh, oil tank itself explodes. And then just in time, a flash flood happens and water comes from everywhere and drowns out all the fire. And, uh, of course, uh, after that is done, you go around the back and see all the air compressors and where the water comes from. And they showed you the, the, just the construction of the mountain facade. It's just poles and chicken wire with, you know, cement spray, spray painted on it. And I always thought that was cool as a child to see that back there. And that was the end when you pulled around, you pulled back around through the warehouse and, um, that that was the the backlot tours, uh, the backstage studio tours. It was known then. All the attractions that used to go along with the backlot studio tour, that used to be part of the attraction, like you did all this at once, are now separate attractions. By 1994, so um, inside the magic was a special effects uh, self-led tour through the sound stages. Now one, two, and uh, one, two, and three, which have been, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? It has been. Uh, Toy Story, uh, not Toy well, it is, was Toy Story Mania. It has been, the um, grief, what was that thing with the Frozen deal? What was all that, the ice skating and all that? Oh, uh, yeah, Oaken's trading post. So all, all in there was like little second level, first level. Um, there would have been like quote unquote movie stars uh, on TV screens telling you about what you're seeing. Um, that kind of thing. And then there was the the walking tour that was a kind of a separate little experience, which is where the water tank was and all the special effects shows. Just were. like how
3: every safari driver, their favorite view is the savannah view. Do you remember the fun fact they always shared on the studio backlot tour about catastrophe canyon and the water cannons?
2: That it, no. it shoot a. Have-
3: basketball over the Empire
1: State Building. Yep,
3: every yeah. time. These yeah. are these cannons are powerful enough to shoot a basketball over the Empire State yeah. Building. Yeah,
1: and you, having heard it for the 20th time, are like
3: saying it with them while everybody else in the tram with you is like, oh, wow. wow. And I'm always <laughs> like, well, where's the basketball? Time to put your money where your mouth is. Let's go. Yeah. Part of this
1: backstage studio tour and the backlot tour as it became known, part of it was, uh, which you could see this from all over, but it was, you rode right past the Earful Tower, which up until recently was was there, and at this time was the the icon of the park, uh, like you know uh, the castle, the uh, Spaceship Earth. This was the studio's icon. Has now gone the way of well, this whole area. Yeah. <laughs> it's I it to is no comment. more.
3: I want to make a comment though, something about the studio, uh, the backlot tour, which. I never, never really. I'd, I'd, like to know the process of what was going on behind the scenes, because go back to like 2010ish, 11ish. Okay, so before we got the big Star Wars expansion, and before that was even kind of in the, in the cooker, I guess, um, the backlot tour hadn't received any love at all for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing changed about that. No new props, nothing. And then randomly, it got the house from the Hannah Montana movie. I don't know yeah. if y'all remember that. And that was like a big deal that people could see the house from Hannah Montana, the movie. That and then random. do you guys remember at the end, they put in the AFI movie props. And yeah. so it was a really big deal that and it wasn't just like one. It was like a whole gallery of like villains. And then they did another one where it was like.
1: They the lady. Davy Jones organ from yeah. Davy chest
3: so they 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 really like gave it some love all of a sudden in like the you know 2011 ish kind of time frame. And I really thought at that time I was like, wow, they're really trying to revamp or this is like the beginning of the revamp of the Backlot Tour. And then, of course, a couple years later, we got the announcement it's of dead. Star Wars Land, and yeah. But I always thought that was interesting. Like, I was—I I would love to be in the meetings back then and see. Like, was there arguments going on about like let us try this and see if we can rebuild some interest in Backlot Tour?
2: Yeah, the, d- the destruction of the Earful Tower is one of the greatest losses. I feel. Yeah. <clears throat> I absolutely Why? loved. Well, it was the weirdest thing because it was. The park icon, deservedly so. It, it was a movie studio park, so it made sense. But it was never in an area that was so um, good for. Yeah, it was never like a place that guests could take photos with it. It's you know or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it was strangely placed always. But I don't know. I love that Earful Tower, and that was a very very sad day when they got rid of that. Like really really sad. But um, I guess the takeaway
1: for 1994 is that the entrance to this was down in a totally different place. And, and residential street is really kind of was the last remnants that went away, in, I mean, it was ninety. That was before then because this is uh, Lights Motors action was opened in two thousand and six.
2: Oh okay. Did you ever hear the story about Catastrophe Canyon and its relation with Universal Studios Florida? Because no. uh, basically, this was this 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 was a big middle finger to Universal
3: because oh, yeah. as
2: we said before this was a um they were in a race to to complete this park before universal which is honestly i think a huge part of the reason why it opened way before it was ready to at the earliest this park shouldn't have opened till december of 89 but um but apparently in the original plans for universal florida like they had catastrophe canyon like down to the the, the smallest detail like they had the same exact thing as part of their studio tour and supposedly eisner knew if we open first it doesn't matter like they're not gonna put it in their park Wow! and that's why catastrophe canyon happened but they did have it in their park it's just earthquake no but the, this was they this was a different thing um it's actual they like were supposed outdoor to outdoor exterior thing yeah so, Universal Florida originally had uh, a studio tour as well on trams, just like their Hollywood counterpart. And um, they had basically a Catastrophe Canyon drive through, just like, the, uh, you know, they weren't calling it nice. that, but they had the same thing, supposedly. Universal. Yeah, it's kind of a, it, it was actually a really nasty fight between Universal and Disney and Gem Studios for a, a good period of time. So, it was interesting.
3: Well, as Jeff said earlier, in 1994, as well as in present day, uh, there was about 15 years where this was not the truth. But uh, you would see first as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, the first thing that you would see was the beautiful
2: Grom's Chinese Theater. Grom, Gromm's Gromans? Gromans. It's Grammans, but actually Disney never refers to it to it as that. It's They refer to it as the Chinese Theater for legal reasons.
3: Okay, there was the Chinese Theater, which is uh, based off the actual theater in Hollywood. Um, And I don't know if this is like a stated thing. I, I always think about Main Street USA, how it's always Fourth of July every day there. And even though that's not stated, it's an undertone with the American flags flying and all that kind of thing. I always get the feeling that this theater, the day we are visiting, is the day of the Mary Poppins premiere. Because they have the Mary Poppins props in the front windows and it appears to be as you're entering the theater that it's a big Hollywood production uh, – or not production but a big Hollywood opening going on inside and there's a lot of fanfare. Maybe this is not the truth but that's the way I, I – I, I uh, the feeling I get from it. I love the Chinese theater. I'm so happy the hat is gone and I'm so happy that this is still – kind of has that stuck in the 80s feel to it where there's all these handprints out front and they're from celebrities who were big at the time that it opened so you can find like regis and kathy lee's hands and the golden girl's hands and uh liza minnelli and you know obviously celebrities that are not what they were today
2: and rick moranis Moranis. don't forget don't forget rick moranis
3: so, I and I think it's great that these are there still. And I think it's great that Disney didn't try to, like, keep up with this. Like, they just let them be, which is perfect. Um, but the Great Movie Ride was definitely a highlight of the park at this point. And it still is today. I think it still is a major draw for people. It's changed a little bit over the years. The uh, the opening scene in particularly, I believe, has... Uh, w- when it first opened, it was, it was not the static version that it currently is but it had more
2: movement to it and bubbles. I I'm, I'm no I love I personally love the Great Movie Ride it's kind of refreshing these days to go into an attraction that doesn't have any um, screens used. I mean obviously they have the big f- thing at the end but like there's no it's just an animatronic dark ride it's kind of lovely there's no map projection there's no uh, you know it's it's very old vintage type of thing. The other thing I wish is, I, I mean, I it blows my mind that there's no Sunset Boulevard scene in that attraction, other than the Thank format. you.
3: If you listen to the show of my overlay, the opening scene is Norma Desmond coming down the staircase.
0: You guys go start your freaking Sunset Boulevard podcast on your own time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, another fun thing to do is... Um, if you haven't and you're a Disney fan, go through and watch all the films that are featured in Sunset Boulevard. I did this back when and before Netflix.
0: Great movie ride. What'd I say? Sunset Boulevard.
3: Sunset Boulevard. I'm sorry. Great movie ride. I did this back um, when Netflix was still like, you got DVDs through the mail. <laughs> and so there was a more like variety. Um, but you can find some of these. So it's really kind of cool to watch like. Public Enemy, which is probably not a movie that you would see, other than you recognize it from Great Movie Ride, or, um, well, of course, now none of the other films are really popping in my head as far as like niche films, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it, some film history there exposes you to things.
2: Mm-hmm. So there's only there's only one major studio not represented in the Great Movie Ride. Do you know, what studio that would be? It's Universal Studios. Uh, uh, well, clearly, yeah, <laughs> makes sense for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, like they, they're all represented. It's kind of crazy. I don't, you know, I, I don't particularly I care for that aspect of the park of what Michael Lasner did, bringing in like all the other studios. But you know, it is what it is.
3: Um, so now, in 1994, uh, after the great stu- uh, great movie ride, excuse me, um, if you headed towards Echo Lake. Uh, you would find a couple things over there, uh, some that are still there to this day, things like the Indiana Jones uh, Stunt Spectacular, which has remained unchanged for the last 20-some-odd years. Well, one thing that was not there, that, or is not there currently, that was there, in the building that used to house uh, the American Idol experience, and that is Superstar Television. Now, according to the... Map what the description is is you may be the co-star in memorable scenes from Home Improvement, I Love Lucy. Oh, that's a throwback! Uh, Cheers, The Tonight Show, and other TV hits presented by Sony. And again, this is something I never got to see in person, but from what I understand, they would put guests using like green screen kind of effects into television sitcoms. Did you actually think that? I yeah I, I did I was actually
1: on it once. Mm. I was in a David Letterman segment. Unfortunately, it was weird because I, I I wasn't in I wasn't actually in one of the ones that you got to star beside the person. It was like they just cut to me and the green screen was like a New York City background and then it went back to David. Interesting. I had I said, "Do you can you do anything fun with watermelons?" <laughs>
3: uh-uh. <laughs>
1: And then he just threw him off the roof.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dave. Yeah. (laughs) This little um, Echo Lake area actually has some remnants still of who framed Roger Rabbit and the Rocketeer, which are some nice throwbacks that still exist there. So that's nice. Yeah. It's funny. The
0: area right around Echo Lake is almost exactly the same today. What with Hollywood and Vine and sci-fi and Gertie and all that stuff, which I like. There were rumors that when they went through all of these changes that Echo Lake might go away. Do you remember that? Like, two or three years ago,
1: the big yeah, rumor came was... Yeah, that from our good friend, Jim Hill. He was the one that said that Echo Lake was going away, and that was where Star Wars was going.
0: I mean, can you blame him? Everything else went away. Like, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe Echo Lake might not be staying. Yeah, it was reasonable. It was just wrong. It was wrong.
2: I remember when they announced that Phantasmic was going to Disney MGM Studios, that... I was like, as a kid, I was just like, well, what body of water is there? I was like, oh, my (laughs) God, they're going to do Fantasmic and Echo Lake? Like, I couldn't even fathom it. That'd be uh, awesome. Like,
3: Gertie is, like, blowing fire out of her mouth at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, um, Speaking of The Rocketeer, great movie, by the way. And that is the first film I remember seeing in theaters as a kid.
2: Wow.
0: Just a fun Weird. fact. I feel like you, I feel like you had that long pause as if we were supposed to be blown away by that fact. So I don't know what to no, say. Right. Wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of Echo Lake really has remained unchanged since nineteen ninety four, as Derek mentioned. Uh, superstar television is really the only thing that has come and gone. And and well, a lot of things have come through that theater since then
2: well one other thing was removed from that area and uh that would be bill cosby's bust
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> very true That's true. yeah when you grab the bust your bust gets removed uh another thing that was in echo lake area that is no longer there and also a theater that has seen many shows come and go through it is the chevy chase and martin short in the monster sound show now This, to me, again, screams 1980s. It was a different era. It was a different time. And both of these gentlemen still remain uh, pretty public and pretty famous. I think most people know who they are, particularly more Martin Short. But this had to be the height of, like, uh, Father of the Bride time. And they were just golden boys at this point. And so they did this show. The description is... Audience members add eerie sounds to a creepy comedy film. Create your own effects. Oh no, that's Studio SoundWorks. Create your own effects. Add your voice to classic movies and enter the three-dimensional world of sound stations. So, uh, yeah, kind of a- like
1: this was weird. I always thought it was weird. I mean, it was like it was like a kind of a kooky dark comedy kind of. I mean, it was like five minutes long, and you basically. They took volunteers and, you know, one guy was in the gravel pit and one guy had the the sheet metal thing for the thunder and one guy had the door. And what they did is they just used you know, they explained, you know, used to when we did these sound effects, it went digital. We recorded them live in the timing with the movie. So they play the movie. Everybody had to do their thing on their time and they recorded it. And then they went back and showed it with the recorded sounds. It's like,
2: ah,
1: that's when we were walking <laughs> in the rocks.
2: I mean, <laughs> shut so, the door. <laughs> we laughed today, but like this is stuff that the general public didn't know at this time because it wasn't like the death of these movie making theme parks really came with the DVD because everything had making ups on, on it at this point. And that's what killed it like. Everybody knows how movies are made now. But back in 1989, back in 1994, people didn't. And so this stuff was kind of, like, very surprising to a lot of people. I mean, and they just walk on rocks? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but seriously, people yeah. people didn't even, like, conceive the thought that, oh, it's something that was recorded later. They just thought it was recorded live on set. So it sounds ridiculous today, and, and I get that. But um, it, it does sadden me that, like, the the theme park about the making of movies is is dead at this point and uh you know dvds did it one thing i've noticed as we've
0: talked about all these things it feels like within just 10 years of the park opening they had almost completely abandoned things that were strictly hollywood tv movie themed and they replaced it with like disney things so you think i guess muppets were muppets weren't even disney in 1989 were they
2: No, they were making a... Jim Henson was making a deal um, with Disney, but then passed away suddenly, and um, Disney and the Henson family did not get along as well as, as Disney and Jim Henson did.
0: Okay, well you think you had the Muppets in that one theater, and then within just a few years, it's Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Then you had a restaurant themed to a movie called Big Business, which I guess was popular at the time. But then all of a sudden it was like, okay, come meet Disney characters. But I think that was Touchstone.
2: That was a Touchstone picture, which was Disney.
0: But still, but you know what I mean, like the classic Disney animated films. And then you've got this monster sound show, which was devoted to showing how things work in Hollywood. And now it's like Star Wars, you know?
3: Bette yeah. Miller was like the golden girl as well of oh, sure. not only Touchstone, but Disney Parks, particularly Hollywood Studios at this time. She could do no wrong. And uh, in my opinion, she still can do no wrong. But, uh, you know, you got the lottery, which was a big deal, you know, going on there. You have this movie. So she, she definitely was the star of the show.
0: I do feel like we should mention back behind what's a superstar theater. What's that place called? That's now Hyperion. Superstar Television, the place we were talking about. Back behind oh, yeah, there yeah. is where you can still find Sci-Fi Dine-In and ABC Commissary. But I'm noticing on this map, it was just called Commissary. So I'm guessing it had a... Vomitary. Vomitary. <laughs> I'm guessing it had more of just like a generic Hollywood, um, you know, this is where you get your lunch theme
2: as opposed to Grey's Anatomy. It. Disney wasn't affiliated with ABC back uh, in 89, I don't know when they acquired it. I know they've had a history with ABC for a long time, but when did they purchase them? I cannot remember, but I don't think it was when this park opened.
3: No, it was definitely in the mid-90s, because I remember as a kid, I remember hearing about that, and when I heard about it... I thought, oh, great, that means the Disney Channel is going to be free now or, you know, ABC is going to be turned into the Disney Channel. That was my childhood thinking. And clearly that did not happen.
0: Yeah, well I am interested to see what this was like, because commissaries are obviously a big part of a studio. And so, I mean, now it's I mean, it's literally just posters of ABC shows on the walls. So I do wonder if there was more of like a commissary. Oh, I work for Hollywood feel
2: to it. I don't know. That place is such a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Yes. But, yeah. I
3: absolutely agree.
2: Anywho. Shall we jump into my little section? Sci-Fi Diner hasn't changed really at all. It's still great. Um, But, yeah. Ready to move on? Let's do it. Yes. Cool. So, as we head out of there, I guess one of the first things we would hit is Star Tours, which... Um, I didn't realize this at the time, but when the park opened, I thought that attraction was original to Disney-MGM Studios. I was very surprised to find out that it opened at Disneyland first, uh, because it seems to fit so much better in Disney-MGM Studios, uh, it, but as you said earlier, it opened in December of 89, so it didn't even open with the park, which is just proves that they were really racing to beat somebody, I yeah. think. Um But, you know, it's still there. It's obviously gone through some changes. It was originally the original Star Tours ride with that one uh, journey that you could take, uh, which was great. I loved it. Still love it. With Rex. With Rex, exactly. And, uh, of course, it's had the updates through the years. Now it's Star Tours. The adventures continue. And it will soon be getting another update with with a planet from Episode Eight. Um they're calling it The Adventures Keep Continuing.
3: Uh, <laughs> and might we say The Adventures with Rex, who was voiced by Pee Wee
2: Rubens, yeah.
3: The epitome of late 80s, early 90s entertainment. So, God love this park. It was just, it knew what it was and it went with it all the way.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the. Like I said, that was created in 87 for Disneyland, and it's not like they ever like promoted, hey, this is Pee Wee Herman doing the voice. Right, right. But uh, isn't he also the voice of the spaceship in, in Flight of the Navigator? Ooh, that I don't know about. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I one fun fact about Star Tours is the fact that it is the first Disney attraction that was based on a non- non-Disney IP. Uh, so, as much as I love Star Tours, I, I hate it for starting that trend. Um, it's very sad. But uh, hey, uh, I think that Star Tours still
1: has a, a little bit of history there. And I always go here, so forgive me for those that listen all the time. But there are remnants of the old school studio feel left at Star Tours in the queue uh, at yeah. the Walt Disney World. And and that the ATAT is only half half of an ATAT, and all the the indoor forest that you see as you approach is uh, facades. And I remember as a child thinking that was really cheap, but I guess the obvious thing is, look, this is a set, you know, kind of thing. And even in the old Star Tours before the new, the new one, something that would have changed as you came into the entrance, there were like plywood walls. Do y'all remember this? Like, plywood walls on the left and the right that said, like, soundstage, Star Wars filming in progress and stuff like that.
2: I do. And then as you
1: turn the corner, you entered into the, the where C-3PO and all that is. But they had that facade, faux set thing going on there until the the new one.
3: It reminds me a lot of The Mummy at Universal. That same kind of feel where yeah. you're entering what's supposed to be a working studio. And so they wanted it to feel like a movie set. But then really kind of abruptly, without much explanation, you're in the movie all of a
2: sudden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am very curious to see what they do to this area once Star Wars Land opens. Obviously, it's sticking around, but like you said, I feel like they should cover up the other side of that, AT-AT, if they're going to keep it around. Um, I'm sure.
1: that I think they'll change the entrance around completely to make it enter
2: from Star, Star Wars Land, which will be kind of behind that, right? Yeah, um, they, they better do something to change it. I'm sure they will since they're investing so much in Star Wars land, but it really wouldn't make sense in its current state uh, yeah. to keep it the same. Anywho, anything else about Star Tours that you guys want to add? Cool. So then we head over to New, to New York Street, which I don't know when this officially happened, but we're looking at a 1994 map where it's called New York Street. Uh, it eventually became known as the Streets of America. Uh, like I'm not sure when that happened, but at this point, this was a pedestrian walking area that, that guests could go through, which is different than opening day. On opening day, New York Street was actually part of the the studio backlot tour, and this was an area that the the trams drove down to show examples of facades. Um, so I find that kind of interesting that when the park opened you couldn't walk through there um well help me out for a second because
0: what is that icon at the end of the street obviously there's the empire state building like the new york skyline but then later it became san francisco
2: yeah so that's that's um the facades i believe it's like one half is san francisco type of facades and the other half is new york the san francisco Um, wasn't there at that point
0: yeah it's. That's what I'm saying. I think that's why it's called New York Street, because it looks like both ends are something New York related.
1: Oh, yeah. San Francisco wasn't at the other end. San Francisco was, if you kind of go from the arch down towards the facade of New York, if you were to look to your right down that side street, where that Uh, theater for the hunchback thing was, they had that... It was a terrible facade, too. It was just like a flat painted... Uh, San Francisco okay
2: my bad and maybe and you that's actually you've you've had a good point there maybe that's when it became streets of America when they started added adding other cities beyond New York maybe Um, but this was a cool little walkway not like a ton like even these shops were fake and stuff it was more of a a way to get around but of course the um, most important thing on New York Street is the honey i shrunk the kids movie set adventure uh (laughs) naturally i don't understand the giggles that i'm hearing right now but that's (laughs) all right now this opened on december 17th 1990 so this was over a year after the park opened uh the movie came out in the summer of 89 so i guess that makes sense um you know this is a, a playground that uh, recently, clo- and by recent, I mean just about exactly a year ago. I think it was April 2nd of 2016 or April 4th, something like that. Um, it closed and I cried. And. You were serious- the only one. <laughs> oh, shut your mouth, sir. <laughs> this is. I can't even tell you how many people I contacted trying to get props from that thing. Uh, this playground might arguably
0: be the first like, kid-friendly thing at this park. Like, I feel like this park was so aimed at teens and adults that yeah. this seems like the first thing that was really like, okay, here's something for the kids to do.
2: I can agree with that. I wouldn't disagree. Um, and now, now, this is a serious question. Do you think that anything from the Honey, I Shrunk Kids playground will be salvaged for Toy Story Land? Because I'm really praying to God that something is.
0: Like the big Play-Doh.
2: Like the big play-doh or the big super soaker or something. Mm-hmm. I think there's um, going to be a lot of stuff. I mean, down to
1: the blades of grass. I mean, this Disney, they're going to recycle and reuse. They might repurpose and stuff, but yeah, they're going to use lots of that stuff.
3: If the spinning so. camels can survive, the yeah. <laughs> of grass will survive.
2: <laughs> I, I I sincerely hope so, uh, because... If that mirrored
3: float can still be around oh. today.
2: Oh, jeez. That thing. Unbelievable. Uh, But uh, this was, you know, I can actually remember waiting in line for this, which I know sounds absurd. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it was a busy, very popular area. And I do have to say, um, I I knew the last time I got to visit it was two octobers ago and i knew it was going to be on the chopping block there was no official announcement at that point i don't believe but i was like okay this is going to be my last time to visit this attraction and it was a lot busier than i ever expected um I, you know it was still used so i don't know it's sad that it's gone but yeah. d- does anybody have good memories other than me of honey shrunk the kids no
1: no my only like memory memory I do remember waiting in line and having to wait on, you know, people to leave and they would let certain ones in. I don't remember a lot as a child. I remember going there on our first trip there uh, with, with Derek and Jeremy. And we just kind of walked around and looked at the stuff and pretended like I was licking the Play-Doh bottle or uh, the thing. And uh, That was Pretend. that was the last time I was there. So that's, that, that has uh, fond memories of our first trip for me, but not beyond that, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that the honey I shrunk series has no nods now at all, really, in Walt Disney World. But other than yeah. that, I mean, I, I guess I never had a big attachment to it. Sorry. Hey,
3: they had also that poster for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. yeah, Still hanging there next to the playground. <laughs> so, you know, they, it hung on as long as it could.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it, that was weird. But um, in any case, something that was also part of... I guess it was part of New York Street, although I find I, you know I always felt like it was very different from New York Street. So I never understood why it was considered part of the same land. but uh, what is now called Muppet Courtyard. Um, this area still exists today minus the balloon, the, the permit hot air balloon, which is very sadly gone due to sightline issues be, uh, for Star Wars Land. But um the fountain I believe is currently in front of the attraction is currently a planter. Is that still the case? You know, I don't know. I haven't been back there in a long time. I haven't either. I know that's not the plan to keep it that way. Yeah. Uh. It's just uh, due to plumbing construction over at Star yeah. Wars Land they've now, made it a planter. All,
3: now I wanna go back to what you were saying. I think this all does make sense and it fit that studio theme perfectly, because what I always pictured was these are different movie sets that are just, even though you know in real life they are kind of crammed together and, and pushed together illogically, that's the way a movie studio works. Like okay, we have the shrunk down blades of grass set, and yeah, it's just sitting right behind the New York Street, you know street set kind of a thing. The Muppet courtyard is right next to the San Francisco Street you know, because we're trying to consolidate and save space. And so Aren't it makes sense intuitive. that you, well, that's just the way it always felt to me. Like, like, no. like, yeah, this is a real studio kind of a feel.
2: Yeah. No, I wouldn't disagree with that. I'm saying I wouldn't call the entire area, New York street, which is what they were doing at this time. So
3: okay, I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah. So like Muppet courtyard can touch New York street and uh, honey, I the kids playground, but they, it's weird to call it all New York street, in my opinion. Um, but this area, I, what was that restaurant at the time? Oh, it was a Studio Arcade, which is now Pizza Rizzo, correct?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. looks like
2: it. So it was a Studio Arcade, which eventually became um, Pizza Planet. And, um, and then nearby were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Meet those vocacious yeah. crime fighters in person on New York Street for <laughs> autographs, photos, and some gnarly practice moves. Uh, I loved this show. I absolutely loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show at Disney MGM Studios. Uh, it, it had a good run. It was like 9, 1990 to 95, I think. Uh, let me see. Yeah, now, 90 to 95.
3: Now, are these. I never got to see this. Now, as a kid, I loved the animated show, had all the toys, loved, loved, loved the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies one, two, and three. Were the turtles that you meet and greeted with on the street as articulated, and did they look like the turtles from the movies that were created by the Jim Henson Company?
2: No, not at all. They looked very animated. They were very different looking. This always bothered me, because I was a huge fan of the... 89? Or whatever it was, the movie that the Jim Henson Company was involved with. Um, So it always bothered me that they... Didn't look like that, but at the same, uh, they were Ninja Turtles, so they were awesome. Um, <laughs> but no, it was very Disney mascot characters. Okay, uh, that they did. You don't remember them at all? Have you, have you never seen photos or anything? I haven't. No. What I do know and remember is that they're they're. What was the name of the vehicle that the turtles drove? The um, oof, there was a special name for it. Uh, hey, Turtle guess. Mobile. Is that <laughs> yeah. it? Turtle Mobile. I don't know. I don't that think seems, so. uh, Well, I that van. They drove that they had. van. Yeah. <laughs> They do. They drive a van, and it was turned uh, into a vehicle that they may even still use for today for the toy soldiers from um, from Toy Story. They, like, camouflaged wow. it and painted it different colors and stuff, and, and it became it used for that. Um but yeah, that was it. Was you know they had a good show there. I know that that street was used a lot in future years for high school musical shows and such. But at this point, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and had a longer run than I realized ninety to ninety five. So that's not bad.
3: Now, good when did that. the when did the Ace Ventura show happen? Because Ace Ventura was around this time, and yeah, and he had his own show as well.
2: He had a little stunt thing on um, New York Street. And I, I don't know. I never experienced the Ace Ventura show. I'm not particularly a fan of that film franchise either, so I don't really know when that happened. Well, okay. all then. Sounds dreadful.
3: But I will say I love that Disney took advantage of these properties and found avenues for them on New York Street. I wish they still took advantage of that kind of marketing like like think about how many things come and go and granted they're not lasting but they are enjoyable that you've thought about like oh my gosh that would be so cool if they had a little show you know that i could see or experience this film or this tv show or whatever and and they really did that you know like ace venture like who would have thought ace venture would have his own show on the streets of new york
2: yeah But, yeah, and then, of course, over there is your favorite, uh, Mama Melrose's Ristorante Italiano,
0: which... (laughs) Of all the things that survived from 1994, seriously, come on.
2: Here's the thing, guys. I went to this restaurant for the first time because of you. Uh, I (laughs) was like, it it can't be nearly as bad (laughs) as they say. That's the mentality I had. And I went there uh, last October because of it, so... This restaurant opened in September of 91. Do you know what it was supposed to be? Do you know what this, this restaurant was supposed to be originally? No? It was supposed to be the Great Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor. Huh.
0: Interesting.
2: And this was a... Yeah, if you've heard about the, the past, there were like a really in-depth Muppets restaurant was going to be there. And um, that's uh, it was going to happen after... Uh, it, there were complications with the whole Jim Henson death uh, and the family after that, so the the idea was scrapped, and then it was supposed to become uh, Funicello's uh, w- which would have been in honor of Annette Funicello and that huh. never happened. And it became what you know and love today, Mama Melrose's Ristorante Italiano, and it's a it's actually a kind of interesting story. You know, it was somebody who was trying to make it in Hollywood; it wasn't working out. They ended up opening this restaurant, and uh, so apparently, their the story is that. You know, you're inside a building that's original purpose was not to be a restaurant. And so when she opened it, she kind of just threw whatever she could find on the walls to hide this fact. And that's why it's such an eclectic mix of memorabilia. And a Star Today program is featured a lot in this restaurant. Are you familiar at all with Star Today at Disney MGM Studios? Nah. No. No. Okay, so apparently, in the first year, they really tried to get stars in the park every day, which is when like those handprint ceremonies would take place in front of the theater, and they would just kind of you know, they would parade them down the streets. And they did this for a long time, and you know they obviously had photo sessions and such. And and a lot of those photos from the star today program uh, are hanging in Mama Melrose's still. So the, the restaurant has a cute little interesting history, um, but. The uh, you know I didn't think it was nearly as bad as you guys do. It was fine, but <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> you after you
0: hear it. us talk about it, of course it's not going <laughs> to live up to our negative review.
2: I and don't think as bad a review as the others
1: do. But the honestly, I haven't eaten there in like twenty years either. So,
3: and you can't take Jeff's word because he admittedly says care. he doesn't care about food. So
2: yeah. he would yeah.
3: literally eat the the pizza that fell on the floor after the Ninja Turtle show.
2: Well, I wouldn't go that far. It's just it, I mean, you guys really rag on it and I was like, "Well, all right. I think <laughs> I've had worse at Disney."
3: But I love I love the thought of the star of the day. Like that really intrigues me that they were purposefully trying to get celebrities into
2: this park every single day. Like that's yeah. that's a, a task. Well, They were they were really trying to make it a working – like their, their angle that first year was this is a working studio. It's not of just course. a theme park.
3: And if you ever so. want to burn a few hours and look at some fun Disney stuff, Google that Hulk Hogan show that was filmed in Walt Disney World. And, you know, like it's – you'll see like the Grand Floridian and you see, you know, Bay Lake and all these things. And, and it's fascinating how they were able to show different angles of, of Walt Disney World. I remember one where, like, he's supposed to be overseas somewhere in the Middle East, so they use the Morocco Pavilion in Epcot as, like, the, the background. Uh, it, it's really cool.
0: I do feel like if we're going to talk about Hollywood cities in 1994, we should wrap up by at least discussing the entertainment you could find. And I'm talking about two in particular. At night... You could see Sorcery in the Sky, which I didn't realize this. It was a fireworks show that debuted in 1990 to celebrate Fantasia's 50th anniversary. And oh, so yeah. it featured film scores, obviously from Fantasia, but also The Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Mary Poppins, etc.
3: Now, did this show feature the giant inflatable Mickey? Is that from yes, the show? that's it. Yeah.
0: There you go. Sorcery
2: in the Sky. Giant Sorcerer Mickey. Yeah, which I love. I remember that.
3: You would never get away with that today. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine a show in which this giant inflatable thing that you might see outside of a car lot all of a sudden blows up on top of the theater in front of whatever? The internet it was
1: a pretty big deal, Dan. And he shot know. fireworks
3: out of his fingers. Like, wow. Yes, no, that's what I love. I just love Hollywood Studios for the fact that it is a time capsule in which it is pure 1980s magic. Like, it is just let, wonderful to me.
2: Let me just say that was 1989. In 1999, when Universal Islands of Adventure opened, that was their opening ceremony. They had giant inflatables. For each of the islands. Uh, YouTube the opening ceremony for Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. You'll have a good laugh. The other show I wanted to mention,
0: I guess it's not really a show, but they had a parade. Aladdin's Royal Caravan. And this was back in the day where I feel like every single movie that came out in the 90s got its own parade it at Hollywood did. Studios. Which I think is kind of cool.
1: Well, Hunchback got the show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the Mulan Parade, the Hercules Parade, and then they did the motorcade thing forever. Yeah. See, yeah.
3: I I wish Disney still did this. I think it would be so like it, – it's just like the, the company – to me, what I see in this time is that the company was more cohesive. Like they were bringing a parade about a coming animated film, and it was all kind of tied together, whereas now I feel like they work so independently of each other that – if a movie comes out, you don't see anything about it in the parks six months to a year down the road. And that's if you're lucky. I,
2: mean, I don't think I don't think that that has anything to do with cohesiveness. To me, it has something to do with confidence. And I think that they were more confident back then and that their movies would be a hit. Whereas today, they don't want to invest any money unless they know it's a hit already. And yeah. so for them to invest that much money into producing a parade before they know it's a hit... It ain't going to happen. And The thing that always blows my mind is that Walt Disney opened Disneyland with Sleeping Beauty Castle, a film that wouldn't come out for another, I think, five years. Four so, years, yeah. Yeah, so talk about being confident in your work. I just don't think that they're, they're confident enough to take those risks anymore.
1: No, and yeah, nowadays heard... they know that they can capitalize on a success in the parks and then turn around and make two or three
2: sequels. Yeah, I was just going to say that's the other thing. They know that they'll have sequels coming down, so it'll still be relevant. Whereas if, you know, back then you made a parade a year after the movie came out, it's forgotten perhaps at that point. So.
3: True. Yeah. I mean, even think about Frozen. Like, Frozen was a massive hit, but you didn't have anything substantial Frozen for at least a year after it had opened. And even then, they were, you could tell a lot of it was grasping at straws. Like, we got to put something Frozen in the park. Oh, yeah, it so was like. Got-
1: and vomiting like frozen <laughs> vomited on hollow <laughs> studios very
3: makeshift
0: was aladdin's royal caravan the first glimpse we saw of the camel that now sits outside magic carpets of aladdin yes okay
2: It's the first time i remember them there you go see that parade lives on yeah i thought it was a phenomenal parade that and uh the lion king parade which i don't think ever made it to Walt disney world did it was that only a disneyland thing yeah, I think you got so. the you got the floats from the yeah. from the Disneyland Lion King parade for uh, festival festival Lion of the Lion King. Yeah, but uh, that was another great one. I love the idea of a parade all centered around one film. But you got to understand from a business standpoint, it's it's it it's risky because it's like, well, what if half of our crowds don't like that movie? We're screwed, you know. True,
3: and they did do like when Frozen came out they did do like the pre-parade floats remember that so like before the afternoon parade you would get a little frozen you know two or three floats that would go by and and that was it so they they did kind of still test the waters a little bit but well
0: it's just funny to me talking about not wanting to take risk with maybe movies people don't like and yet there was an ace ventura show a dick tracy show a restaurant (laughs) themed to big business like what in the world
2: well, it's been it was a big hit. Well, I mean, sure,
0: but... Gosh, now it seems like it was just a drop in the bucket, you know?
1: Don't forget the... Uh, the Splash fountain back there that was there
3: until... <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> that is Michael Eisner's love child.
0: Yeah, it was. Yep. All right, well, I think that does it. I think that's a pretty cohesive <laughs> summation of Hollywood... Excuse me, Disney MGM Studios in 1994... It is interesting to think that when Star Wars Land opens, that will be 2019, exactly 25 years after the park we just described. And I think it's going to feel like a completely different park.
3: I think your math's off because, oh, 25 years from 1994. I see what you're saying. 30 Ah. years. 30 years in total from the park opening. That's true, yeah. Now, here's my question as well. In 1994, did the Fantasia Fountains where or, uh, statues where they're dumping the, the water with the flowers still exist back then because that has always been a staple
1: They exist I don't know but the- I love them they've been there for a long time in front of that arch
3: you know in an unstable world we need stability and so <laughs> I, I find them comforting I that's where the- Mama
0: Melrose come in, comes in it's stable yeah. it's not going anywhere
2: <laughs> no, we do have to also—I think uh, I, I think this should be true. Once once they do it, this will be the park that has the most name changes ever. Disney MGM Studios to Disney's Hollywood Studios to who knows what. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird and interesting to me. Changing the name of a theme park is a very weird thing to me. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, by the time
0: Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land opens— open, it will not feel like a, quote, Studios at all. At least not in the sense that it was in 1994. I
2: would bet money on Disney Hollywood Adventure. Yeah, I would love that. I think
1: that's... They're going to keep Hollywood in there. Yeah. Because they're not changing the whole front half of the park uh, for that. And then, yeah, I think that's a good name, though. Yeah, I like it. So there you go. Even
0: though the park might not be its best self right now, it has definitely had some wonderful years in the past. And I think it has some wonderful years in the future, even if they do, even if they will look very, very different from what we've known before. But there you go. Um, I think I'm just going to wrap it up here. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. You want to tell our listeners where they can find you
2: online? Sure, thanks for having me. Always a lot of fun playing with you guys. Um, DisneyCoastToCoast.com is where you can find everything related to the podcast. And um, I'm on social media as at Jeff DePauli, J-E-F-F-D-E-P-A-O-L-I. But DisneyCoastToCoast.com is everything, essentially. You can get everything there. It is
0: everything. and You have to it's check everything.
2: out everything. And it's Disney yeah. with a Z. Or, yeah, I yes it is disney's with the z officially if you spell it correctly though it'll get you the right place because disney didn't buy that little uh that little url name before i did nice. Woo-hoo. and yeah. of course you can always find us online as well
3: at
0: mad chatters twitter instagram facebook all the usual spots and you can send your emails to comments at madchatters.net we will see you next week
3: take a little time to find the magic in every day bye-bye, bye-bye now, now. There's a certain segment of the population as well that no matter what you tell them, they're still going to believe what they want to believe. And so I guarantee there are guests that probably when they're told there's no parade, oh, oh there, there's a parade.
2: There's a parade. This Speaking a parade. of, would you guys like to take it back um, by any chance, the parade? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: you keep it for as long as you need Listen, to. Listen, i know we're done. okay without a nighttime – I know we love – the idea of the nighttime parade, but I'm fine with it not happening anymore because it was just a headache on Main Street between like nine and eleven. Like I wouldn't go anywhere near it now. It's a it's a little more breathable because people aren't camped out for two hours out there. Yep, it's. I, I could I can compromise on a no nighttime parade and be fine.
2: I'll watch. I keep saying I'll watch that parade again if they start selling paintball guns that I can shoot the uh, <laughs> the the floats with. That, that, that would make it a plus for me, like glow-in-the-dark paintballs. It's like a granddaddy. It's like an elderly person. I, re- I respect them and admire <laughs> them.
1: I don't want to spend two weeks with them or be <laughs> stuck behind them for an hour, but I don't want to shoot them
2: with paintballs. Um, I do at this point because it's, they've overstayed their welcome. I respected it. I have respected it when I first came here. Uh, uh, I've heard about um,
1: Iwo Jima 20 times.
2: Plus, here's the thing. Here's... Here's the thing. This is this is like, uh, you know, you, somebody took away your baby and gave you an elderly couple. Like, <laughs> they, they, they they took away Paint the Night from us. This is unacceptable. I see. Yeah. Okay. Hey, why do you hate America so much? What do it's you hate- a salute
3: to America? Why
1: do you hate
2: the <laughs> veterans? <laughs> well, actually, you. <laughs> You wonder, one of the funniest things is when I was watching that parade for the first time as it returned, I could see, like, down the street the whole, you know, United States part, and you see the eagle, the giant eagle's wings flapping. I'm Oh, look at that. They had motors back in the 1970s. And then as it gets closer, you see it's two people pulling it back and forth uh, manually. I'm yeah. like, oh, somebody kill me. This parade is so old. <laughs>